Pastor Steve here, Grace Valley Church. Thanks for joining us. Hey, we've been talking about what God wants to do through you, how to be used by God. Uh, and I'm going to talk. We want to talk today about how to how to find something new with God, because the question is, you know, how many of us really want God to use us in a new way? Maybe in a way He's never used us before. Just something new with God that you know, this new a new journey, a new adventure where God really can work through us. And we want to talk about that. We're going to see that in the life of Jesus today as he engages John chapter 4, uh, a Samaritan woman. Because I, I think this is absolutely transferable to us. I'm so grateful that this story is told of Jesus engaging a Samaritan woman for us. You know, just a breaking down of these, these cultural barriers, the, these prejudices, these biases that the Jews had. Uh, and Jesus going out of his way. Uh, and engaging, and in a in just a new context for Jesus. Did Jesus engage people who weren't Jews? Yes, we have several other mentions, but primarily, even Jesus said he was called to the lost sheep of Israel. That that's who he was called to. But here we find God. You know, Jesus said he only did did what he saw the Father doing. That you could say that the Father here sends Jesus into this new context and Jesus engage and when and Jesus is used in this brand new way with a Samaritan woman and such a unique story and you've probably heard Jesus with the woman at the well over and over and over again there's something that just resonates with all of us of this this engagement as someone said you know the Jesus I knew I think it was Lee Strobel who had a big series on you know the Jesus I know or the Jesus I knew and um, and this is one of them. It's and, and it kind of shows us how how God can get a hold and do something um, that only God can do if we're willing to put ourselves in contexts and places and with people that we normally wouldn't engage with. And God may want to. He might want to use you in a different place. He may want to use you in a context that he hasn't really. Um, done before. And as we've talked about uh, in the last couple sermons here, you know, you have to continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good purposes. So God is always going to do his part, but it makes no excuse that you don't do your part. Um, We talked last week, of course, we engaged with Jesus, part of his Sermon on the Mount of... of, um, I tell you, do not worry about all the things that the Gentiles worry about, that the pagans worry about, but we're to seek the kingdom first. We're to be passionate about the kingdom um, and and his righteousness. That Again, we said that was God's way of operating in the kingdom, right? God's way of giving, God's way of going, God's way of praying, God's way of... Uh, of and here we are going to have God's way of building relationships, um, and we're not to worry about the others. Again, that doesn't mean that we're careless. We have to plan. We have to strategize. So that's what I want to, this message I want to be about. How do we find something new with God? You've got to plan. You've got to do your part. God will do his work as well. He's still the one kind of moving in and through to do his, to do his good work. So um, it's right in line with everything we've said. Again, that God's always going to do his part. God's got his responsibility, but you've got yours. You've got to keep doing your responsibility. 
and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to kind of end where we're, we, we need to be at peace with things. And one day you want to stand and be totally at peace with God that you did your part. And as we're going to see today, even your part in, in with people normally that you didn't really want to engage, or maybe you even thought you don't think this, but the way you treat them is they don't matter much with God. So let's again, how do we find that something new with God? And we all want something new. How do we get God to use us in a new way, right? So if God is going to work you through you in a new way he hasn't before, here's how you find that something new. And I'm going to, here, here's the first one is, first of all, you've got to find your Samaria, okay? Find your Samaria. Jesus went to Samaria and he had work to do there. You've got to find your Samaria, okay? You've got to, at least, you've got to identify at least what your Samaria is because you've got a Samaria now too, right? You've got someone you normally wouldn't engage with. Let's just look at the text here quick, and we'll talk more about this. Um, um, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw wa- water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples, this is verse 8, had gone into town to buy food. Okay. Um, as you, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you didn't know, but you know, Samaria, Samaria was avoided by the Jews. Samaria was kind of a mixed race of Jewish people. They, um, they weren't pure Jews anymore. They, there were all kinds of cultural differences. There were religious differences. They had set up their own, you know, mount to worship on. And uh, it wasn't a matter of opinion per se. It was it was actually false. Even Jesus, we won't go. We're not going to go verse by verse by verse through every bit of the story here. We'll read much of it. But at one point he says, you know, you, we Jews worship what we know. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Um, for salvation is from the Jews. So it wasn't a matter of opinion. It was it was false. Um, there was a reason that the Jews avoided. Um, wasn't right, wasn't the heart of God. But there was a lot of falseness um, and a lot of um, untruth, really, that was going on in Samaria. So, you know, the fact that you need to find your Samaria or who your Samaritans are, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're way off the mark in the way that you have a bias or you have a even a, maybe a slight prejudice. Maybe it's, it is rooted in some facts. Um, and it could be that, you know, they don't have any boundaries. Sometimes we're just, we, we avoid people that we feel don't have boundaries um, or they're just, there's just too much drama always there. Or um, maybe it's even race and you've just come to a conclusion that there's a, you know, the, the cultural differences, which is usually what we get hung up rather than color of skin, but really it comes down to it's like these cultural differences based on your experience you avoid. I have, I've not seen a whole lot of this myself personally living in the States, but I've seen, I have seen some and some of it is grounded in over and over again, I feel. Um, But again, it's a generalization. It's not every time, but it's usually based on your experience and therefore you avoid. Uh, Maybe you're just uncomfortable with a certain group of people or with a person and you don't know what to say or do it could but again it could just be a someone who just drives you crazy it could be a waitress right that just 
you frequent the same restaurant and you've just come to the conclusion they're not worth engaging, right? Um, you know, I, I wrote off a girl again this morning. I was, I, I showed up to a, a class and, and just, I realized it's a trigger that God's got to get out of me because I'm not flawless in it either, but, but it showed up to a class I don't usually go to on a Saturday morning and, and I had forgotten, oh, the instructor before is like perpetually never ending on time. It's just like no concept of just when she should be done so the other class can get in and we can set up our stuff and we're not mad scrambling, kind of trying to work around people. And, and, and it just bothers me and I tend to just judge it. I tend to get, you know, ruffled. I tend to look at her sideways and it's not right. Uh, you know, a little bit there is my, you know, was I thinking, oh, there's this a person that matters to God in that moment? No, because again, I saw a pattern that I felt didn't square with a value that I have. And therefore I write her off. Don't know how, a better way I can say it. Um, so could be a neighbor, um, whoever it is, you've got a You've got you've to find your Samaria. God wants to work in Samaria, people. And he wants to use you. And he wants to send you into your Samaria that you've been avoiding. The Jews avoided it. They, they actually did a trip that was almost twice. I think it was twice. It could even be longer. Twice as many miles around because most refused to even go through. That's how they shunned them. And they wanted to let them know they're dirty. And again, to a devout Jew, didn't want to soil himself with any type of contact. And we do that. We either do that consciously, we just avoid them, or we do it unconsciously. But have you ever thought for a moment that God may actually want to use you, that you're, you're, you still have proximity to them, that you're in the, the family with them, because God may actually still want to use you. And yes, I'm not saying it's going to take patience and a real strategy and maybe real consulting and maybe way more prayer than you're currently giving to it. You know, this story is here, folks, not just, it, it, of course, it shows us the Jesus um, who loves and it shows, but, it, you know, it is there because you know, God is trying to tell us he wants to use us too, that there's a Samaria in all of our lives and he doesn't want us to be like the religious who just avoid it. He actually wants us to go through it. He wants us to stop and he wants to disengage like Jesus stopped and engaged. I tell you. And you got to be careful about time here. Most of us don't want to do it or we don't even give the first things because, and I'm trying to practice this, right? But in our culture, I would say in white culture in general, especially if you're, especially as a portion of white culture, let's say an enemy in our culture in white culture, I would say is time. Time is very precious. In fact, I would say it's too precious. It's such an idol to us. I'm not talking about being on time or promptness, right? So I just feel like, Hey, that's my yes is yes. And so that's a contract, right? Said I'd be here. I'm going to be here. But I'm just talking about we, we wait. It's way too, it's almost an idol to us, right? And we, we, we talk to time like Gollum talks to his other half, right? Remember Gollum and Lord of the Rings there? Yes, precious. The riddle wasn't fair. Remember that whole thing? What has it got in its pockets is baggins. We hates him. We hates him forever. We're kind of like that with our, with whoever, right? With most of this time, we just feel like they're wasting our time, right? Yes, precious, we must get away, right? This person's wasting our time. No time for our neighbor today, precious. No, neighbor doesn't know how tired we are. Nasty, sneaking, thieving neighbor, stealing our time. 
He is present. We must throttle him in our in his sleep. Okay, so beware of time. That wasn't so much the case. Still isn't the case as much in the Middle East, but certainly not them, where they didn't measure time. So Jesus sat and he engaged, and he wasn't looking at his watch, you know, in his next engagement. So be careful about time. Um, someone said, I don't know who it was, I heard this long ago, right? He's, Love keeps no record of time, really. Love doesn't demand that, you know, time rule over them. Um, and you know this. It's the best way to show love, right, is time. So you have to find your Samaria. Engage with someone you normally wouldn't engage with. Who is your Samaria? And is it time that you go in? Or are you going to stand before God one day and basically it's going to be declared, never went into a Samaria, too hurt, too wounded, too upset, too uncomfortable, nope. Wasn't going to go there, Jesus. I was a good good person, but I just went around it. You know, if that's you, at least don't 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 judge the religious leaders in this story. Okay, too snarky. I'm sorry. So find your Samaria, identify it. Who is it? Who are they? Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a family. I don't know. You've got to find it, and you've got to begin to engage. You've got to begin to engage. Now, how do you do that? And that's step two here from the story. So you define your Samaria. If you're going to find, find something new with God, you've first got to find your Samaria, and then you have to find a way to serve them. What's the verse say? Next verse. Jesus said to her, sits down at the well, Samaritan woman comes. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone out of town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with Samaritans, okay? And the text, that was part of the text. Jews do not associate with sin. So Jesus found a way to serve her. What, did he, what do I mean by that? You have to, you know, when we, however we find a way to serve, I don't know how it could be a gift. It could be, you know, amazing how a gift can clear up an awful lot or at least open a door. I have found gifts really work, okay? Uh, I don't know who needs to hear that, but but, you have, but what you're doing when you're finding a way to serve, you're showing them they have worth. Jesus did serve this woman by engaging them. Now, again, it doesn't seem like he was serving her. He's the fact that he's the one asking her for a drink. But remember, she's shocked and stunned and, and awed. And she says to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? I don't think she said that in a, in a sarcastic way. How can you ask me for a drink? It was like, it was like with wonder. It's like... I have worth enough that you're engaged. Like what has changed here that suddenly I'm talked to? Because I'm, sh why would she say that? Because she's used to being shunned by Jews again and again and again and again. And here's one who's engaging her. What's that communicating to her? What's changed here? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? And that's what happens. So it could be a meal together. You know, again, I've heard this, oh, you just heard this when I was a resident assistant in college. Like, the old mantra was, food is key. I heard this for small groups. Food is key. Something about food that breaks the ice, sets a comfortable setting. You don't have to over-talk. I mean, you're kind of engaged with food, and food just does something. I mean, there's just everyone, there's a certain amount of pleasure. That's why we eat, right? We like different tastes. Just everything is heightened there, and it's a lot easier to, unless there's an elephant in the room, it still needs to be cleared up eventually. It's a great place to start. So food can be key. Um, uh, you know, 
you want you just want to find a way to engage maybe bring them food serve in some way be ready for an emergency i can't tell you and that has happened so often for us here um where we live now in this apartment units the people that we've engaged and again i try to engage in just this way a lot with food our bible studies we have meals and then food um i will find a way to bring um the staff lunch occasionally i know all of them i've you know um and there's something when there is an emergency, then how much you're much more able to engage and they will call you or you're, you're, you're available. And sometimes I think, sometimes I think with these, it's just God moving the relationship along. You know, you don't want to tell them that, right? Oh, this emergency is a result of God moving the relationship along. That's not going to go very far, but, but it's amazing um, that if you'll find a way to engage them, you'll find a way then to, sh- to serve them, show they have worth. You need to be prayerful about that or just use your natural gifts look for an opening um that again god will do his part you are not in this alone going into your samaria god is with you okay so if you're going to find god in a new way if you're going to find god using you in a way that you've never been used before um you've got to find you've got to find that samaria you've got to be willing to go into it and then you got to be willing to serve once you're there You've got to, you've got to find that you got to show them again. And again, if it's, if it's family, if it's more complicated than all this, at least you're showing that they still have worth to you, right? That they're worth engaging and that maybe that doesn't clear everything up. Okay. And then here's the, here's my third point here. Um, and again, it's from the text. Uh, we're going to go right back to, um, we're going to skip ahead here a little bit. But you have to find then an opening to be bold. So again, he engages the woman. She asks for a drink. And the story goes on that he tells her that he can give her water that she'll never thirst again. And she says, you know, give me this water, sir, so that I don't have to keep coming back to the well and draw it. And she says to her, and he says to her, verse six, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. Sir, verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, what was Jesus doing here? What am I saying? Again, I said, find an opening to be bold. Don't fragilize, pe- don't fragilize people in general, right? Treat them like they're fragile little China things that you can't say anything true or bring up any topic or discuss something in a natural sense. But especially, don't fragilize them spiritually. Be bold. And that's what Jesus does. Not just with the water, of course, he's kind of baiting her a little bit, right? He's getting her interested. He's very spiritually clever. That's probably the wrong word, but he's just, he's a great fisher of men, right? That's who he's trained him to do. You don't, you know, he's kind of taking a side approach. Oh, I can give you living water. You'd never thirst again. But finally, then he really starts calling her out, right? Um, you know, when he was basically saying it here to her by calling her out on that, he's just saying, you know what? You have tried to find whatever your living water in men, and you will never find the fulfillment you're looking for unless you come to the real living water, which is me. You'll go through man after man after man. So he, he engages her spiritually. And that's where you need you find an opening to be bold, right? Find that Samaria. You find a way to serve them. And then you find an opening to be bold. You have to be bolder than you are currently spiritually. I will say that. I'm, this is, I, say, I say this to my own chagrin. 
my best results ever, spiritually fishing, mentoring, discipling, preaching, the bolder I am, the bigger, better results I have. And it is not easy to be bold, you know, especially if you've got a side of you that, that is a little bit of a people pleaser, or at least you don't want to offend. Um, but the bolder the conversation I've had with people or the bolder the invite, the more fruit I've ever gained. I'm talking for people actually coming to church and actually finding God in a real way. And I go back and I say, I'm so glad I had such a bold invitation finally. And I think I had mentioned it a couple of times and I made another couple bold invitations or a bold spiritual conversation. I, just, I had one with my neighbor the other day. It's like more fruit from that than all the just the friendship talks. And I'm not saying you don't start with friendship, but at one point you have to find an, old, an opening and don't fragilize people. You know, if you're friends, people can handle a certain amount of just opinion and truth and boldness for another person. And they're not going to necessarily write you off and storm out. They may disagree. You don't have to turn it into an argument, but at least you were bold. Okay. Penn and Teller, you know, I think they're, uh, what would they call themselves? Probably magicians. I remember, I remember one of them, I think it was Teller, maybe it was Penn, um, saying about there was a Christian in his life who was very bold about his faith to him. And, and he said, you know, I'm not offended. Figure, you know, if it's really that important to you, I'd expect you to want to share it. You know, and he's an atheist. He didn't come to Christ, but most people are not going to be highly offended. If they are, then who knows? God may be closer at the door to them than you think. And I have often found that the case is if there's a real crazy reaction from them, there is something going on. There is some disequilibrium, and it's the perfect, ultimate end for the gospel. I will tell you that. It's the passive person that you're worried about, the person that doesn't really engage with it, the person that hasn't, doesn't have any kind of reaction. That's the person that's usually, typically still so far from God. There's still such a, a, green, apple, a green apple. But I tell you, a red apple typically has some type of reaction, sometimes even not like overreaction, and then you can tell God may be at work. I need to be patient. So be bold. Find the opening eventually to be bold, okay? And then finally, and this is kind of in conclusion of our message, then just find your peace, okay? Find your peace. So go to verse 35 here. His disciples come back. They were, they were amazed. They were shocked to see him engaged with a woman. And this is what he says to them. I tell you, verse 35, open your eyes and look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and, and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad to, together. And Jesus talks about another passage, right? Those who go and sow the good word of the soil and those who reap it. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. One sows and another reaps is true. Verse 38, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Isn't that amazing? What's he saying? You know, you're engaged with the person, but you leave the results to God. Because you don't know if you're going to be the one who actually reaps or if you're just the one sowing. But Jesus is very clear. There are some who are doing hard laboring of sowing. It doesn't seem any results. Listen, I'm engaged with a guy and, and, our conversations are so different than they were earlier on. I mean, they are natural and easy and he's, and there are other people engaged, 
But there was a there has been a Christian in his life for years and years and years. And sometimes I think he probably was more engaged more than maybe even the person or any of us knows, but I could be wrong, of, of, of getting seed in there, of sowing. And who knows still who's going to reap. But there's sometimes just the hard work of sowing the seed. So just find your peace eventually in it all. God's not saying that you've got to win them, right? And I don't know how God wants to use you, but if you're going to find something new with God and God using you in a new way, you know, get into that Samaria for goodness sake. Quit avoiding it. Whatever God brings to mind, right? And then get in there and find a way to serve, find a way to engage. And then eventually, you know, sooner than later, I will say, because time is short, folks, find an opening to be bold. Quit fragilizing everyone spiritually. And then just relax, you know, find your peace. Maybe you're just going to be doing the hard work of sowing, but maybe you'll, you'll reap the benefits of Jesus says um, of the labor. So be patient. And now just listen, what's, what's God brought to mind? And then you determine to act out those first steps, right, of engaging. And the field may be ripe for harvest, and um, you do not know. But I guarantee you, God will begin to use you in a new— if you want to be used in a new way to God, you've got to go into an area that you've never really gone into and that you're avoiding for whatever reason. And I think when you're there, you'll find what God can really do through you. By God's grace, okay? Until next week, thanks again for being with us.